American woman. It's the Kim Munson Show, analyzing the most important story. Socialization of transportation, education, energy, housing, and water. What it means is, is that government controls it through rules and regulations. The latest in politics and world affairs. Under this guise of bipartisanship and nonpartisanship, it's actually tapped down the truth. Today's current opinions and ideas. On an equal field in the battle of ideas, mistruths or misconceptions, and it is getting us in to a world of hurt. Is it freedom or is it force? Let's have a conversation. Indeed, let's have a conversation and welcome to the Kim Munson Show. Thank you so much for joining us. You're each treasured, valued, you have purpose. Today, strive for excellence. Take care of your heart, your soul, your mind, and your body. My friends, you were made for this moment. We are in a unique time in history and you were made to be here. And uh, I get to work with a, a great team, and that's producer Steve, Zach, Patty, Keith, Jen, Charlie, and Echo, and all the people here at Crawford Broadcasting. Happy Monday to you, producer Steve. A marvelous Monday, we call it. I, I wasn't so great a little while ago when I suggested you went to school with the guy you're quoting today. Oh, man, you are so grounded. Ha. Okay, we'll just jump right over there to that. Uh, and that is, our quote for today is from St. Francis de Sales. He was a bishop of Geneva and revered as a saint in the Catholic Church. He became noted for his deep faith and his gentle approach to the religious divisions in his land, resulting from the Protestant Reformation. He was born in 1567, and he died in 1622. And, Steve, we think we're in unprecedented times, but there's unprecedented unprecedented times all the time. And just imagine what they were going through at that time. And you know what? They didn't have running water and... um, and um, all the all the conveniences that we have these days. Well, uh, unprecedented times for their times, the, those times. We are got um, our own unprecedented times. Yes, we do. That is for sure. So here's the quote. He said, we shall steer safely through every storm so long as our heart is right, our intention is fervent, our courage steadfast, and our trust fixed on God. I thought that was a pretty good one today. Excellent. Yep. And you say, you, uh, well, let's uh, let's do a couple of other things. And then I, you said you had another quote that you wanted to talk, uh, to talk about. So uh, I wanted to recommend everybody go to my website, KimMunson.com. And uh, all of our recaps of our shows are there with the podcast. You just click on the picture and it'll bring up the daily show with the podcast. And uh, sign up for our weekly newsletter there. You'll get first look at our upcoming guests, our most recent essays, our most recent um uh, podcasts and uh, this last weekend we rolled out the one that uh, uh, Rick Turnquest just has written, which is really getting a lot of interest. And then uh, I did that podcast with Tina Peters to give her the opportunity to tell her story, uh, because uh, certainly they're going to be coming at her with these these different photos that I think have been uh, somewhat. Um, Oh, manipulated a bit to have those things happen. But uh, anyway, check that out. Email me at Kim at Kim com as well. And thank you to all of you who support us. We're an independent voice. We search for truth and clarity by looking at these issues through the lens of freedom versus force, force versus freedom. If something's a good idea, you shouldn't have to force people to do it. And Steve, it's never compassionate to take other people's rights, property, freedom or livelihood via force, whether with a weapon Policy, unpredictable and excessive taxation, fear, coercion, government-induced inflation, or the Davos globalist elites, uh, the way they are uh, trying to get policy through, which I think is an assault on the American middle class. What's your thoughts? 
Well, uh, I counted them down just as you were going through them. I know we had three when we first started this thing three, four years ago, whatever it was, and we're now up to six. It tells you where we're headed. Uh-huh. So that's why it is so important that we elect people that are representatives of the, we the people. They realize they're representatives. They're not officials. And I am excited to have in studio with me Stephanie Wheeler. Stephanie, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Kim. It's great to be here. And you're running for a state house. Yes, ma'am. I'm running for House District 2 in Denver, Colorado. Okay. And do you have your campaign manager in here with you as well? Yes, ma'am, I do. A woman that I've known for many years, that's Tina Francone. And uh, so it's great to have you here. We're going to focus on you in the second segment. Find out why you are running, what you'll do when you get down there. And so I'm excited to have you. I really think it's the grassroots Stephanie Wheeler that's going to save this state. Absolutely. I agree. Um, I've been very fortunate to work in the grassroots community for the past two years and see the hearts and minds of the people. And that's the battleground where we are in our state, particularly in Denver. A lot of people are hurting. And that's how we're going to win is nose to nose, toes to toes and getting out there and speaking with our community, being a member of the community and bringing our neighborhoods together. I I love it. I love it. So, okay. um, I did want to mention we did a rebroadcast this Sunday, producer Steve, on our America's Veterans Story show. It was one from 2021, but a great interview. Uh, Jimmy Doolittle. Uh, and the Doolittle Raiders, shortly after Pearl Harbor was bombed in World War II, what, about six, what, not even six months later. Four. Was it four months? They decided that they were going to do something very courageous, and that was to inflict some damage on the Japanese um, homeland. And uh, they, they had never done this before. They flew uh, medium-sized bombers off of aircraft carriers, and uh, it was a harrowing mis- mission. And anyway, Jimmy Doolittle's granddaughter, I interviewed her, and we thought that would be a great interview to rebroadcast. So we did that this last Sunday, Steve. I, as I told your guests, I was up to my elbows under the hood of a car yesterday. So I had that interview playing while I was working. I just had to stop several times and just look up and think, she, Jimmy Doolittle's granddaughter, she just didn't know about that particular day's event. She knew, I mean, everything there is to know about his life. And it wasn't just tied to that leading that raid in terms of what he did later in mm-hmm. the development of certain fuels for certain aircraft that you know gave the those aircraft their their punch i know so uh, and what uh, charlie is doing is that interview will replay this next sunday 10 to 11 p.m and then the next saturday 10 to 11 p.m so if you missed that check that out and we're working on getting uh, the america's veteran stories up to snuff the way we have the kim munson show broadcast or website up to snuff on that as well uh hey you said you had a quote of the day that you wanted to mention it's rather well it struck my funny bone but you know my funny bone is is (laughs) twisted uh a commentary this morning on the way in the 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 guy was saying harry truman meet joe biden and the point was is that as we all know harry truman was the 33rd president and he had a sign on his desk a little placard the buck stops here uh-huh. and the guy went through a litany of of biden ugh, whatever you want to call it it says biden blaming yeah biden he said blaming? well you know here's joe biden where the buck doesn't stop anywhere <laughs> <laughs> or he probably has a placard that says the buck stops with putin or and under that would be the buck stops with trump i mean he blames everybody but uh, it's terrible democrat policy exactly this point yeah okay the legislature finally 
finished, although there is talk about a special session. Did you hear that, Stephanie? I've heard rumors. Yes. Yes. (laughs) As if they couldn't get enough done. Um, but uh, So we'd, we're, we're doing a bill of the day. Patty, our researcher, would pull one just to keep people informed. And so many folks have said how much they appreciate it. Well, we're probably going to start initiatives of the day. As many of you know, there can be initiatives that put, are put on the ballot. Used to be by the people, but now it's typically big money, special interest because of uh, the uh, initiative that was uh, passed, raise the bar. Um, but so there is a whole bunch of them out there, and uh, we're, we'll just talk about. Oh gosh, we'll talk about these throughout the um, throughout the week. But the first one on the 2022 ballot initiative status, it's a state income tax rate reduction, and it looks like that I think is on the ballot for 2022. I've not read that yet, Stephanie. But I do like the title, a state income tax rate reduction. Um, so we'll have to see. So that that looks like that's for sure going to be on the ballot. Hmm. And that's interesting. I think that it's uh, odd timing that it would be coming as a ballot initiative for this year. I think that the Democrats are getting a little bit desperate. Mm-hmm. However, their attacks on Tabor and the things that they're working to do um, on real estate property and other taxes and fees, you know, it's difficult to say how effective reducing the state income tax will be when they are angling to raise taxes and fees in so many other areas. Yes. So I think it's just, we have to, uh, you know, listen along, follow along, make sure that we're staying active and participatory and listening to our legislators that are passing on information. And it's wonderful to have researchers on the ground like that. Mm -hmm. So, well, definitely. And uh, I'll just mention some unofficial caption assigned by the legislative staff for tracking purposes. So these are out there for cir- circulation right now. Uh, number one is the unlawful murder of a child. And again, I have not read all of these yet, so we're going to have to do that. And then that's number 56 right now. Number 58 is access to natural medicine. Number 61 is legal possession and use of entheogenic plants and fungi. So I'm going to bet that's mushrooms. Uh, let's see. There's another one for that. Campaign expenditure limits. Uh, as uh, we've all talked about that, I really think that um, what these things do is they make it difficult for the little guy to raise money and run campaigns, and the big guys with the big money can do so. So I am really, I, I really do not think we should have campaign finance limits or uh, fi- uh, McCain-Feingold with their campaign finance legislation, I think, was very terrible. Number 82 was a minimum reimbursement fee for covered dental procedures performed by Medicaid providers. That's interesting that that would be a ballot initiative, possibly. And number 108, dedicated state income tax revenue for affordable housing programs. Stay tuned on that one. Patty gave me just uh, the debrief on that, and so that's going to be one we're really going to have to watch. But uh, we're going to go to break. In studio with me is Stephanie Wheeler. She is running for House District 2 here in Colorado, and uh, her campaign manager, Tina Francone, is in with us. Before we go to break, uh, the show comes to you. We are an independent voice. And uh, so the show comes to you because of all of your support, because of the great partners that I have. And one that's been with us for a long time is Hooters Restaurants. And sometimes people say, gosh, you know, how did you guys come to be business partners? And it's really a freedom story from from when I was on city council. And so we're going to be putting that on the website so that you've got that there. Uh, But be sure and check that out. But they've got all kinds of... um, 
hamburger specials uh, Monday through Friday for $11. And uh, that they have the mushroom burger, the bacon blue burger, Southwest burger, Western burger, mac and cheese burger, and their Cali burger. And again, that's $11. And uh, with inflation the way it is, that's a pretty good deal. So we're going to go to break. When we come back, we'll talk with Stephanie Wheeler. Inflation is rocking our boats, especially for individuals on fixed incomes. If you are 62 years or older, mortgage specialist with Polygon Financial Group, Lauren Levy, can help you navigate this inflation squeeze with a reverse mortgage. Additionally, if you are considering buying a new home, refinancing your existing home, or consolidating high interest debt, it's not too late to lock in an interest rate before interest rates increase again. Don't wait. Kim Munson recommends you call Lauren Levy today at 303-880-8881 for a no-cost consultation. That's Lauren Levy at 303-880-8881. Medical freedom, patient choice, and informed consent are all staples of comprehensive health care. You'll find exactly that at Roots Medical, located in the Denver Tech Center, offering specialties in hormones, thyroid, gut health, detox, and COVID recovery. Functional, comprehensive, primary health care. Roots Medical, getting to the root of your health care concerns. For more information, visit rootsmedical.net. Roots Medical is a proud member of Colorado Healthcare Providers for Freedom. All of Kim's sponsors are an inclusive partnership with Kim and are not affiliated with or in partnership with KLZ or Crawford Broadcasting. If you would like to support the work of the Kim Munson Show and grow your business, contact Kim at her website, KimMunson.com. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N dot com. Welcome back to the Kim Munson Show. I'm Kim Munson. Be sure and check out our website. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N dot com. Sign up for our weekly newsletter there. You can email me. At Kim at KimMunson.com as well. And thank you to all of you who support us. It is the grassroots that's going to save this state. And Stephanie Wheeler, uh, you're in, in studio. You're running for House District 2. Uh, so welcome. It's great to have you here. Thank you, Kim. It's wonderful to be here. House District 2, what area is that? So with the new redistricting, it's approximately Hamden to 6th and Colorado to Broadway, um, give or take a little bit around the edges, around Inglewood and Sheridan. Okay. And uh, why? Why, Stephanie Wheeler, have you decided to run for State House? Well, I have decided to run for State House because I am a single mother of two. I'm a full-time student getting ready to graduate from the University of Denver in just a few weeks. And Congratulations. I see, thank you so much. Um, and I love Denver, and I see it in decline. And this is the city where I've chosen to raise a family. My parents are here as well. And I it's not acceptable to me. I think that it's time that we have a representative who is one of the people who feels the same pain as everyone else living in the same neighborhoods. Um, who's been a victim of you know, multiple crimes that are affecting our communities, such as vehicles being stolen, smash and grabs, etc. Um, I think it's a shame that I feel nervous to take my children to a park, even in broad daylight. I'm not sure what we will find. <clears throat> and that I feel compelled to drive miles outside of my district to find a safe park. That's unacceptable to me. So you're stepping forward. Thank you, first of all. It is exciting to me, Stephanie, to see these amazing candidates Step forward because uh, it used to be, I mean, just describing your life, student, uh, mother of two, you've got a pretty full life. But I think we've taken so much for granted. And the one of the silver linings, I think, of the whole COVID-19 Wuhan China virus reaction disruption is that the veil has really come off on the agenda of the elitists, that the elitists are in charge down here at our state house. And um, you mentioned crime. 
uh, we're number one in yes, uh, uh, car thefts. Uh, we're number one now. I saw this this weekend in bank robberies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm not surprised. Yeah. And uh, that is unacceptable. Yep. Our inflation is uh, rising higher than the national average. And you know that every penny makes a difference, especially for a single parent. And again, the Democrats say that they they champion the voices and you know all of the characteristics that I represent. My mother's an immigrant, again, single mom, small business owner, and I know that they don't speak for me, and that's very frustrating. So that's why I decided to run. Okay, well, when elected, what are your top three things that you would want to accomplish down there? Absolutely. So going back to what you said about the elitist agenda that's happening, you know, our children have been under attack for quite some time. And the veil being lifted, I think, was most obvious in education. So right now, over 60 percent of K through third graders in Colorado are not reading at reading level. And this is not just a repercussion of the drastic COVID-19 lockdowns. Um, and the mandated mask, because I believe that that is a a massive hindrance to children learning. But the hyperfixation of social issues in our schools is stealing time away from the fundamentals of an educated society. And this is the only way that we can ensure equality Mm -hmm. for our students when they graduate. So we need to bring back civics, reading, writing, arithmetic. And this is the fundamental education that ensures all children know how to learn. Um, everything else that's been added to our children's curriculum is teaching them what to think and not how to think for themselves. And if our future generation is unequally educated when they graduate our high schools, then there's no way that we can ensure equal opportunity. Well, and you talk about um, uh, equal opportunity or uh, I, I'm not quite sure yet, like equal opportunity in education. When we compare our students with what they're being taught here in America mm-hmm. with other countries. Other countries aren't focused on uh, the um, oppressor and victim, the CRT kind of thing. They're not focused on sexualizing our kids in curriculum. And so I, I agree with you. We have got to reclaim an education that doesn't uh, just prepare kids. I hear them say prepare kids for America, our children for uh, to be the next workforce. That's not what education is. No. No. We need to give them the tools that they can decide how they, they're going to live their lives. Absolutely. And that's just one piece of the puzzle. Because, for example, costs, right? Um, the detriment that we have here in Colorado that we are squandering the natural resources that we've been given and not taking that into account and utilizing that for our economy is a travesty. And then again, crime, going mm-hmm. back to crime, um, all of these all of these issues are very well connected. Mm-hmm. If we don't have an educated society, then people are going to become desperate. They're going to turn to a life of crime. Um, and, and that's what we're seeing is just a domino effect across all of these issues. And these are the core issues that are irrefutably caused by the Democrat policies mm-hmm. um, and, and a Democrat controlled Colorado. Mm-hmm. Uh, education, I I think options are really important for families. Yes. And uh, the government-run schools are really letting our kids down. Uh, how do you feel about uh, having tax dollars follow the student? What's your thoughts about that, Stephanie? Oh, I absolutely think that they should follow the student. I am a homeschool mother. I, was, I myself was homeschooled K through 12 my whole life. Um, I'm very fortunate that my parents helped me with that venture. However, I know that there are many others who don't have that luxury. And if they, if if the money followed the children, then that would open the door for so many more popu- 
possibilities for children to learn the things that they need in the ways that they need to learn it to be a functional and productive member of our society. And yes, uh, if you're a single mom of kids and you have your kids stuck in a school mm-hmm. where maybe it's dangerous or they're not learning, gosh, as a single mom, to be able to have tax dollars to get them to a school that can fill their needs, that can equip them for the future, it just, it's kind of beyond belief that we, we wouldn't do that, Stephanie Wheeler. Sure. Well, and also now, again, with the increasing costs, you're thinking of the burden of a single mother, but even two parent families, it's a struggle. So talking about transparency, if parents are taking up second jobs, right, and they're already not having time to participate in, in the system, go to school board meetings, be uh-huh. aware, talk to their teachers, then how can we hope to maintain consistency and hold our systems accountable, especially, as you said, taxpayer dollars are going into this, and the lack of accountability is shocking. And you said the word transparency. I really think across America that we need to have a transparent curriculum. Mm -hmm. Community members, parents should have the opportunity to see what their kids are being taught. And... uh, there seems to be resistance in some of these school districts to do that, which that would, as a mom, that's a big red flag. Red flag. Yeah, big yes. red flag. <laughs> uh, it's, it's very concerning to see that. And as a homeschool mom, I, I get told a lot, well, you know, how would you have this opinion when your kids don't even go to public school? And at the end of the day, it's all about the future generations. These are the children that my children will be peers with one day. Um, you know, those are the ideologies that, and honestly, theologies that follow them throughout their life and determine what the next generation will be able to do in our society and how they'll function in that society. So I think that whether you are not a parent, you're just a community member, retired, uh, and especially if you're a parent, it is your responsibility to hold the systems accountable to which your taxpayer dollars go to. And uh, what about taxes? I would really like to see taxes come down. What's your thoughts about taxes, fees, and all that stuff? Well, I would love to see them come down as well. And I think it comes down to, again, accountability and transparency. If legislators want to write legislation to take more money out of our paychecks, then we need to make sure that those systems are running fully functionally. High operation, every dollar... is is counted and is going towards something that makes a difference to actually solving the problems. That's one of the most frustrating things in Denver is hearing, oh, well, we need to raise taxes to fix this problem, to fix homelessness, to to fix, again, all of these crises that Mm -hmm. they have caused. And then they tell us, oh, well, that didn't work. We need more. Right. You know, if they were serious about uh, um, homelessness, we could take care of the problem. But I submit that we now have a homelessness industrial complex. There's a lot of people that are making a lot of money mm-hmm. on uh, helping, quote unquote, the, the homeless. Mm-hmm. And when you have a lot of people making a lot of money, the problem's going to get worse. Absolutely. And that issue has happened around the world. We've seen it in volunteerism, essentially, in other countries. And there is a lot of money that happens with crisis and with people in need. And I think that you know, government-funded injection sites is just adding fuel to the fire. You think? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you think? <laughs> just the actions that they're taking that, that support and encourage that um, is, is very frightening. And now with the push to push out and sweep 
urban Denver. Um, I know that you've probably heard about Mayor Hancock revamping 16th Street. Well, that just pushed all of that homelessness and that crisis into our neighborhoods. So the fact that I can drive down the road and see multiple encampments, and not just one or two tents, but true homeless cities within a five-minute drive of where I live is shocking. Mm Mm-hmm. Yes, it is very, very shocking. So uh, what are some of the other things you're concerned about, Stephanie Wheeler? Uh, Absolutely. So, you know, I know that you brought up, um, as an example, the abortion issue. And as a single mom, that's something that is particularly painful to me. I had had a lot of pressure uh, from various sources as a single mom to go that route. And it was just never an option for me. It was never something that came to mind or, or an option in my heart and soul. I knew that it was never something that I would consider. And over 70%, I believe, of women that choose abortion do so because they are concerned that they can't afford to raise a child on their own. So that comes back to cost of living as well as education Mm -hmm. and being confident in education, knowing how to think and creating opportunities for themselves. Um, And again, focusing on these issues, education, cost, and crime, it relates back to so many of these other downriver issues that are, are massive, that are dividing us, that are travesties, honestly, for us to have in such a good society. Mm -hmm. What I find interesting is it used to be the, the narrative was that uh, Republicans were the the fat cats, you know, the rich people and, um, you know, trying to tell other people how to live their lives. Well, guess what? It's now the Democrats that are controlled by elitists who want to tell everybody else how to live their, their lives. And the Republican Party has become the Republican Party of everyday Americans, uh, no matter it's women, uh, blacks, Hispanics, um, middle class. It's really remarkable. And the Democrats don't want to give that narrative up, though, that they're the, the uh, party of the people. Mm-hmm. They're not. It's now the Republicans. Absolutely. And that comes back to the approach of my campaign. And I believe that if we can restore Denver, we will save Colorado. And we have a tremendous commitment to outreach within our communities And like we spoke about earlier, the people of Colorado are hurting right now. And we save Colorado and restore Denver by talking face-to-face with our neighbors and the individuals and families that make up our communities and speaking with them about these bottom line issues that are crippling our beautiful city. Um, It's very important to me to move past politics and just get straight to the people because, as you said, they control the narrative. And particularly in the media, um, it's challenging to get that voice out there. But the way that you represent that and have our constituents see that is by going door to door and seeing them face to face. It's a lot of work, but uh, Denver is hurting. Colorado's hurting as well. Mm -hmm. I really think, Stephanie, that Colorado is at the tip of the spear. So not only the work that we do here, because I've had a lot of grassroots friends that have left Colorado. Yes. And uh, I think Colorado is at the tip of the spear here. And so it's exciting to see all of these grassroots candidates step forward. How can people get more information and help you, Stephanie Wheeler? And my friends, we can't sit on the couch. We can't just be keyboard cowboys on this. (laughs) We've got to get out there and help people uh, such as Stephanie. So how can people help you? Absolutely. So what a lot of people need to realize is that this race here in Denver is pivotal. It's been over 20 years since we've had a Republican in a Denver House district. And up-ticket Republicans will benefit from all the groundwork that my campaign is doing here in the heart of our state. And 
Um, honestly, funding and support is huge. We are very limited in the contributions um, that we can accept for the House of Representatives campaign. And my website is wheelerforcolorado.com. And if you go to that website, there is a contact form that you can fill out um, as well as make a contribution. And again, I am I have friends and, and recruitments from all over the state that are going to be driving in to Denver to help us door knock awesome. Awesome. and to help out. So wherever you may be in Colorado, you can absolutely help out by going to wheelerforcolorado.com. And is four spelled out? Wheeler for Colorado? Yes, ma'am. Okay. It's great to have you here. Thank you, Kim. It was wonderful to be here. Okay, so we're going to go to break. When we come back, uh, Todd Watkins is running for El Paso County Sheriff, uh, but he's a a border uh, agent and want to talk about what's happening down at the border. So we'll be right back with Todd Watkins. The Metro home ownership real estate market is very tight right now. That's why Kim Munson recommends you have seasoned REMAX realtor Karen Levine on your side of the table. Karen Levine will help you navigate through the many details of your home buying experience so that you can successfully pursue your American dream. Because Karen Levine cares about property rights for each individual, she volunteers hundreds of hours to represent home ownership opportunities at the local, county, state, and national levels. If you are considering buying or selling your home, call Karen Levine today at 303-877-7516. Again, that's 303-877-7516. You'd like to get in touch with one of the sponsors of the Kim Monson Show, but you can't remember their phone contact or website information. Find a full list of advertising partners on Kim's website, kimmunson.com. That's Kim, M-O-N-S-O-N dot com. Franktown Firearms owns their name and their word. They never compromise on their beliefs. They never go back on a promise, and they run their gun range the same way. Family-operated and family-friendly, Franktown Firearms doesn't answer to a corporate office. For multiple generations in business on the same property, they believe in the power of a handshake. Their team has fought to keep their range completely independent so they can go to sleep at night knowing they did it their way. Nobody would call this crew politically correct, but they treat their clients of all ages with respect and decency. They know you work hard for your money, too, so they count it an honor when you spend it with them. Stop in today and mention KLZ to get half off the initiation fee on any membership type and get access to the range after hours. Franktown Firearms, where friends are made. Welcome back to the Kim Munson Show. I'm Kim Munson. Check out our website. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N.com. Sign up for our weekly newsletter there. You can email me at Kim at Kim, uh, Kim as well. And thank you to all of you who support us. And uh, the show comes to you because of your support and a lot of great sponsors. One of those is Kirsch Insurance Group. They are located or they're located right here in uh, the South Metro area. And uh, they work with all the different carrier, or most of the different carriers here in Colorado. And um, it's important to have somebody on your side of the table as you're trying to negotiate and navigate through the whole Medicare maze. And Kirsch Insurance Group is the people for you. Uh, Marlon, Naomi, Danielle, the whole team over there, it's great to have them on your side of the table. doesn't cost you anything. Check them out at iKirsch.com. That's I-K-I-R-S-C-H.com. On the line with me is Todd Watkins. He is a candidate for El Paso County Sheriff. Uh, and so welcome, uh, Todd Watkins. Thank you, Kim Monson. Good morning. (laughs) 
the reason why we want to chat, though, is because you are also a border agent. Tell us about that, Todd Watkins. So I, uh, I, I retired from the Border Patrol. It'll be a year in just about two weeks. So I'll be celebrating my uh, one-year anniversary as a retired guy here at the, at the end of this month. But uh, I was in the Border Patrol from 1997 until, well, May 31st of uh, 2021. I, I worked in, uh, on the southern border, obviously. We all start off there uh, from California to Arizona to New Mexico, uh, even did a, a four-year hitch up in the on the northern border in Rochester, New York, and um, <clears throat> about three different tours through our uh, through our headquarters at Washington D.C. So, I I I I can say that I've seen the the border, the, especially the southern border, in various states of control and uh, through through about five different presidential administrations. Well, it looks to me like it's a real problem down there right now. It looks to me like it's an open-door invasion into our country. What's your thoughts, Todd Watkins? Uh, that's, uh, yeah, I, I don't think I could elaborate on that much much better than you did right there. It, it absolutely is an, an, open, an open door. There is no enforcement on the southern border. It is completely eroded, uh, and... <clears throat> It is it is vitally important for everybody in this country to understand that this is not just an immigration crisis. This is not just a border security crisis. This is a national security crisis. We should view this as an existential threat to our sovereignty as a nation. I cannot understand why our border is, as you said, we have a national security issue. and But yet we've got Biden who wants to secure the Ukrainian border and is spending billions, sending billions of dollars over there. I don't get it, Todd Watkins. Um, it, it's, this isn't an accident. It's your, use your imagination. Anybody could, you could come up with a, any number of, I, I suppose, different theories and, and conspiracy theories as, as why this would be uh, the the objective. But <clears throat> that border was the in the most secured state I'd ever seen <clears throat> in my 24 years during the Trump administration, um, and uh, this administration, the 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 Biden administration, reversed everything that had secured that border and purposely put it to the state that it is. He, he opened it up, and you're right. He's, we're, we're back to the, uh, the, the forever wars and, and foreign entanglements with our, with our resources and neglecting our own country. And you can't help but say that this is, this is by design. This is not accidental. <clears throat> this was not uh, something beyond the control or the scope of this administration. Uh, the Border Patrol has the ability to control that border. We had it under control and uh, say the word, and it could be under control by the end of this pay period. But uh, there doesn't seem to be the will. And uh, I think I, as I look out the window here, cars going by, people living their lives, uh, taking for granted uh, safe communities. Our communities are becoming more and more dangerous and that that has uh, that has me very concerned. I think people uh, 
take for granted that the people that they that are elected have Americans best interest in mind. We realize that that's not the case. We see it down here with what's happened down at the state house with the radical activists that have taken over the Democrat Party. You're running for sheriff in El Paso County. You've seen this open border and uh, certainly up I-25 over to I-70. We're a real corridor for uh, those coming um, across the border, which I think makes our communities less safe because we don't know who's coming across the border. And we want immigrants. We're, we are a country of immigrants, but we want legal immigration. We want to know who's coming into our country. I mean, it defies belief that would we, um, you know, have our houses unlocked and just let anybody come in? It just doesn't make any sense to me, Todd. It, it, it's the, the, the locking one's doors is, is a great analogy. And, and, We've certainly, you know, in my in my career history, used that analogy, you know, for for the whole time I was in, and and it's it's true. This is this is our home. This is our homeland, and it is our it is our right and our responsibility to secure it. Uh, <clears throat> again, this is this is by design. I can't help but think that there is a larger agenda here to uh, to really erode and deteriorate. The the the, efic- the efficacy of our nation, our economy, of our of our government, our, our our place in the world for some some other some other agenda. It 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 feels like a kind of a Marxist agenda to me. I, that's that's why I retired when I did because I I, I thought I could rightly see what was uh, what was being ushered in by this administration in in D.C. and and in De- Denver's no different. There are state government isn't any different at all but the truth is what we're doing here is we're allowing massive organized crime syndicates to take control of our of our southern border they pretty much control mexico and if for if you if you want to consider how much they're benefiting from this for every every illegal alien that that we're encountering we're, we're not even calling them apprehensions anymore we're just calling them encounters Put about six thousand dollars for each one. That's about what the uh, those cartels are making in Mexico. It's this is this is billions and billions of dollars. We are we are enriching them beyond our, our wildest imaginations. And and these are genuine uh, enemies of this country. The, these cartels should rightly be called uh, foreign terrorist organizations. Todd Watkins, unfortunately, there are non-governmental organizations that here in America that are taking advantage of the American people's compassion. Uh, so once these folks get across the border, uh, it's big business uh, for many of these non-governmental organizations. They used to be called charities that now come in and... Um, Help these refugees. And again, uh, Americans want to help people. They want to help refugees. But there is a whole industrial complex on this as well that, that gets people signed up. Uh, they, they come in. They get them signed up for uh, all kinds of government entitlements. And uh, and somebody has to pay for it. And it's the everyday American. And it's also our children because we're borrowing so much. And again, we are compassionate people but once these folks get over here, 
there's kind of that legal part. Then there's also the part that I'm very concerned about is the human trafficking component. Uh, so yeah. what's what's your thoughts on that, Todd Watkins? So, so this this isn't the first you know immigration crisis. Well, if we just look at the, the immigration piece of it, this isn't the first one that we've seen. We saw one in. Uh, uh, 2012 to 2014, another one in 18 and 19 when uh, uh, Cory Booker and uh, then Senator Kamala Harris uh, appealed to the uh, Central American uh, people to go ahead and come. Well, you'll you'll get in. Don't worry about it. And now it's just they've kind of perfected it with uh, with the flood that's coming in. And essentially, what we've done is we've we've invited the entire population of the world to displace. The United States. So once they arrive at the at the southern border, uh, the border patrol will process them in to, to the best of our, our ability. Com- mind you, we're completely under overwhelmed, and um, we are under some uh, time constraints as to how long we can keep people in our custody in our in our stations, particularly if there are children involved, so unaccompanied minors and and family units, and that's really kind of the the biggest vulnerability when we look at the human trafficking on our side it is also important to point out that this the smuggling organizations who who are connected to the cartels so we can just call them cartels for for ease of lexicon uh they no longer have to have a a northern arm or or uh, or part of that machinery they deliver them to the united states and essentially, the United States government is completing the smuggling cycle uh, vis-a-vis Health and Human Services, HHS. HHS is who would take the uh, unaccompanied minors and the family units from, from CBP, from Border Patrol, and then with their, uh, through their Office of uh, Refugee Resettlement, ORR, would then uh, resettle them, distribute them to whatever communities. And when they're bonafide refugees that 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 come in uh that are already screened and they they have visas as as uh, non-immigrant refugees that works very well very efficiently but hhs doesn't have the manpower never had the manpower to handle this kind of this this the volume the the crush of humanity that descended on our southern border so they contracted with a lot of these NGOs and and charitable organizations some faith-based organizations to handle this this uh, this this flow this volume but they didn't vet any of these organizations and these organizations then subcontracted to have more people more volunteers come in and help uh, handle the volume of uh, women and children basically mm-hmm. and we have no idea who these people are and or where they're going uh ice the other side of uh homeland security when it comes to uh the, uh, the border uh was the organization the the agency that really handled the after encounter part with the uh, the court dates and uh that kind of the pre-trial sort of thing for for immigration court but they're not allowed to talk to children or the sponsors of the children after they've been released. So there's no custodial follow-up on these on any of the children. Uh, last time I checked, and this was I, four or five months ago, um, the U.S. government vis-a-vis ICE had lost track 
of over 60,000 uh, unaccompanied juveniles. Uh, we don't know where they are. And that that breaks my heart because uh, very possibly these kids are being trafficked. And uh, so for these radical activists uh, to that have taken over the Democrat Party to say that this is compassionate, that this is about children. It, it just doesn't seem like it is. Todd Watkins, we're going to go to break. When we come back, I want to continue the conversation. He's a retired border agent and also running for El Paso County Sheriff. That's Todd Watkins. Stay tuned. Three Points Financial is a fiduciary financial planning company focused on helping individuals and families. Mary Alpers and Steve Cruz at Three Points Financial specialize in investment strategies, tax planning and preparation, and retirement planning with no product sales or commissions. Tax laws have changed and will continue to change. Inflation is real. Three Points Financial helps you maneuver through these changes to achieve your financial success. For clarity and a solid, relevant financial and investment plan while working with a company that puts your interests at the forefront, schedule a no-obligation initial consultation at threepointsfinancial.com. That's threepointsfinancial.com. Inflation is out of control. Increasing prices at the gas pump and grocery stores are hurting everyday people. All these challenges we face are preventable. Individuals must understand what is going on. That's why Kim Munson is bringing truth and clarity to the issues facing our families, our communities, our state, and our country. Now, more than ever, it's important to support Kim's independent voice. Kim has the courage to research and inform you about the real issues. It's not easy, and Kim can use your help. Go to KimMunson.com to contribute. Again, help Kim by contributing at Kim Munson. That's M-O-N-S-O-N dot com. And welcome back to the Kim Munson Show. I'm Kim Munson. Check out our website. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N dot com. Sign up for our weekly newsletter there. You can email me at Kim at KimMunson.com as well. And uh, yes, thank you to all of you who support us. We're an independent voice. We're a grassroots voice. And it's the grassroots that's going to save this state. And uh, Colorado is at the tip of the spear. Before we get back to Todd Watkins, this is fascinating. I'm learning so much. He is um, a retired border agent and uh, running for El Paso County Sheriff. But um, a, a, char- a charity, a nonprofit that I really uh, am supporting is the USMC Memorial Foundation. And uh, they are raising money to remodel the Marine Memorial out at 6th and Colfax. And uh, you can donate and help them do that. You can buy a brick for one of the walkways and honor uh, your service member. And they're going to have a, um, a, a ceremony on Memorial Day at 1.30. And I'd highly recommend uh, for us all to just stop on Memorial Day. I know, Producer Steve, you don't like to have Memorial Day sales. You want it to really be something where we honor those and remember those that have given their lives for us to live in liberty. And uh, so I think all of us should, on that day, uh, stop and, and do that. And I'd recommend that people, I'm going to be out there one thirty on Memorial Day, Producer Steve. You know, I've been watching, because one of the firms who's guilty every year, I won't mention them by name, is doing their Memorial Day sale. And um, so I'm vigilant. I'm looking for others. And somehow, I haven't seen them yet. I've okay. only seen one 
bigger multi-site location here in Colorado who's pushing their Memorial Day sale. Maybe we can just encourage them to, as they're doing those sales, to make sure that they let people know why why we are having Memorial Day. So let's jump back over here to Todd Watkins. He is a retired border agent. He's running for El Paso County Sheriff. And uh, Todd, I am learning so much. You, did you say that there's 60,000 juveniles that came across the border that we don't know what happened to them? Is that what you said last week? Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, it was uh, high fifties, low sixties. I, I don't remember the number exactly, but yeah, we. Uh, so once these uh, the, the children are, are you know distributed, dispersed, we, we find uh, found sponsors for them, and we're not really vetting the sponsors. When I say we, I mean the U.S. government. And uh, there's been no follow up. We don't know where they are. We don't know if they're going to be uh, have their have their hearing in, in immigration court. They're just they're just lost. But if if I could. Uh, paint a picture of how this how this how this happens and uh it's this is really important for the american people to understand we the uh the u.s the u.s government cbp border patrol do not fingerprint or photograph any subject 14 years or younger so 14 year old or younger kids we don't photograph or or fingerprint so when a, a child appears at the border, whether that child is unaccompanied or accompanied, we don't fingerprint or or photograph them. Why is that important, is Todd? No, Why is that important? Because we will never know if they come back again or if that person has, that child has been used as to create a family unit by some other adult. Mm-hmm. And we know this to be happening because that's the, that's the key to get in, to be released, is for an adult to have a child with him or her. The family units are being released. There's nowhere to hold them. They're not being returned. They're not being expelled under Title 42. They're just being released. Um, I know of from the last Im- uh, immigration crisis in 2018, 2019, uh, I know of a dozen cases where uh, Border Patrol, not even ICE, I don't know how many ICE had that they investigated. Uh, we had 12 cases of children being recycled so <clears throat> so imagine when you get when you get to the border if you're a smuggler a coyote you've got a group of people uh you say you got 20 people uh 20 adults and uh 20 children but the 20 children are not dispersed you've got a mom and two kids mom and three kids so what you do is you give that kid to some other adult and then that becomes that becomes a family unit and some of these kids were I, the, the smuggling organizations were were uh, basically taking them and recycling them, so that the, the this family unit air quotes would get to its its end destination wherever it was in in uh, New York, Chicago, Tennessee, Florida, whatever. And then the, the kid would get sent back, you know, ostensibly back to the border to Mexico, and they bring him through again. And it was agents who who were doing the processing who got who were doing a whole lot of processing started apparently recognized some of these kids, and uh, we we followed up on it and realized now this kid was being recycled. When somebody arrives at the border with a child, we have no way of determining whether or not these people are actually related. No one has ID. No one has identification. If you don't have a, a birth certificate or anything to prove that this is your child, we we're kind of obligated to go on go. What about vaccination unit. status? 
No, no, we're not. We're we're not checking that. <laughs> nope. Interesting. Okay. Hey, Todd, we've got probably about four minutes left. What about this baby formula thing? Uh, Producer Steve found this, and and actually uh, Patty had also done the research on this. There was a 1997 Flores settlement uh, in California, and uh, it it was settled after a decade of litigation. So when I say the radical activists are playing long ball, they're playing long ball. And uh, this Mm -hmm. settlement says details how border facilities must meet the basic needs of detained illegal immigrant minors, including providing age-appropriate food and drink. So what about this uh, uh, formula shortage here? Again, I I don't think it's accidental. Um, I that, That Flores, Reno Flores, that was settled the year I joined the Border Patrol, and we had to live by that my whole my whole career. Um, you, you, that, that's that's one of the reasons why we can't really do the the level of vetting that we need to do at the border because we're under such a time constraint to get the the children out of our custody and moved on down the road. Mm. So the yeah that Reno Flores settlement, we're we're the government's going to move all that all that stuff to care for all these women and children. For, for the kids at the border. Uh, I don't know that they had that in mind back in 1997, but it's certainly playing well into their hands right now. Uh, they're also sending baby formula to, to Ukraine as well, from, from my understanding. Uh, it's, none of this is accidental. This is, this, is all, this is all by design. This wasn't happening prior to the installation of the current administration. None of this was happening. It's it's been a, a full court press. Uh, the throttle is wide open on er- eroding our sovereignty and our solvency as okay. a nation. So, Todd, what do we do about it? Get these people out. Yeah. <laughs> we 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 can we can start at the county level. That's that's what I think. We you start. We have to take our government back locally with with with. Candidates like like uh, Stephanie Wheeler, whom you just had on, I I, I know Stephanie pr- pretty well, and that's those these are the type of people that we need in. We have to take our government back at the local level and repudiate uh, this this type of agenda from from the state and the and the federal level. Take take control of our own communities. Well, and, and take care of ourselves locally. And constitutional sheriffs are very important. We've got uh, about a minute. Uh, and so tell us just a little bit about your uh, candidacy for El Paso County Sheriff. Well, everything that we just talked about is why is why I'm running, because we do need to take our our government and our governance back at the local level. The, the sheriff, if the sheriff understands his role and his responsibility to the Constitution, as should every official in government elected or appointed, uh, our obligation is to safeguard, protect support and defend the constitution and the rights of our of the people of this country that's the role of government is to defend our rights to preserve our rights and our liberties we do this at the local level the sheriff is the last line of defense for that the sheriff is the one who can say no to these unconstitutional mandates orders and even statutes that are eroding our rights and our sovereignties and we have to stand up and say no we're not going to comply with this. We're not going to support this agenda that is going to destroy our country and and we the, we the people of this country. And how can people get more information about you, Todd Watkins? Todd Watkins for Sheriff 
com. Four is spelled out. Um, and I have a campaign phone number. Uh, we'll, we'll answer it. We'll talk. If people have questions about any things we've talked today or, or my my uh, my cam- my campaign, my my goals, my platform, my ideology, it's 719-728-8724. Todd Watkins, thank you so much. Thank you, Kim. Okay, our quote for today is from St. Francis de Sales. He said, Anxiety is the greatest evil that can befall a soul, except sin. God commands you to pray, but he forbids you to worry. So my friends today, be grateful, read great books, think good thoughts, listen to beautiful music, communicate and listen well, live honestly and authentically, strive for high ideals, and like Superman, stand for truth, justice, and the American way. My friends, you are not alone. God bless you, and God bless America. It's the Kim Munson Show, analyzing the most important story. Socialization of transportation, education, energy, housing, and water. What it means is, is that government controls it through rules and regulations. The latest in politics and world affairs. Under this guise of bipartisanship and nonpartisanship, it's actually tapped down the truth. Today's current opinions and ideas. On an equal field in the battle of ideas, mistruths or misconceptions, and it is getting us into to a world of hurt. Is it freedom or is it force? Let's have a conversation. Indeed, let's have a conversation and welcome to the Kim Munson Show. I'm Kim Munson. Thank you so much for joining us. You're each treasured, valued, you have purpose. Today, strive for excellence. Take care of your heart, your soul, your mind, and your body. My friends, you were made for this moment. We are at an unprecedented time in the history of America and we each have to step into this this time in history. Um, it's just rather remarkable. Thank you to this team that I get to work with. That's producer Steve, Zach, Patty, Keith, Charlie, Jen, Echo, all the people here at Crawford Broadcasting. Happy Monday to you, producer Steve. Uh, yeah, marvelous Monday is here. It is. And uh, oh my gosh, uh, hour one. Uh, Stephanie Wheeler was in studio. She's front running for House District 2. And then Todd uh, Watkins, who is a retired border agent. Uh, retired in 2021. Uh, I learned an awful lot about the border. He's also running for El Paso County Sheriff, but uh, it's almost surreal what we learned in that last hour, Steve. I can't believe it. Yeah, he was probably on air. He's probably with us like 22 minutes, but what an education. Yes. And so the way this works, my friends, as you know, we're on 6 to 8 uh, every day, Monday through Friday, 6 to 8 a.m. The first hour is rebroadcast on all KLZ platforms, 1 to 2 in the afternoon. And then the second hour is a rebroadcast 10 to 11. Uh, so you can be sure and check that out. We'll have the podcast and the show summary up by the end of the day as well, Producer Steve. But um, yeah, learning a lot. And uh it's going to be the grassroots, my friend, that saves this state and saves this country. When we look at um, what is happening to our state, and it's because Republicans have not had the guts to stand on principle. They're saying, oh, we can't get the unaffiliated vote if we don't stand on principle. Well, uh, you know what? There are so many Republicans that have reached so far across the aisle. They're standing on the other side of the aisle. And look at what we have here in Colorado now. An attack on our oil and gas industry. Attack on rural Colorado. Uh, one of the most aggressive abortion policies on the face of the planet. Uh, and we have got to reclaim this state. It was built on rugged individuals. And we need to reclaim this state. Producer Steve, it's the grassroots that's going to do that. 
Well, you keep educating me to what the Republican, what's the, what is this group? The Republican Committee? Cabal. Cabal. Let's call, let's oh, yeah, okay. I, I don't know. I don't know what to call them. And I, you know, I keep threatening to send the email, and I, you know, I've got it up here in my head, but I just want to say, you, you guys remind me of a Trojan horse. You know, the, it was a gift. The horse was rolled up to the gates at Troy, and yeah, well, this is wonderful, but it was full of Greek soldiers. Mm-hmm. And we don't you, even have a Trojan horse down at the southern border. Well, it's just it's just wide open. Well, it'd be like having the no gates at, at Troy. You just come right on in. You wouldn't need a Trojan horse. Can I be so bold as to say instead of Greek soldiers, this Trojan horse is full of rhinos? May I say that? I guess you can. So I just did. Yep, yep. We're gonna. Uh, it's it's the grassroots that's going to save the state, and that's why we do this show is so that you can get your brain around these issues. Uh, and we look at these issues through the, through the lens of freedom versus force, force versus freedom. If something's a good idea, you shouldn't have to force people to do it. And my friends, it's never compassionate to take other people's stuff. And that would be their rights, their property, their freedom, or their livelihood. And when I say livelihood, it makes me think of uh, the whole COVID-19 Wuhan China virus reaction disruption where the PBIs, the politicians, bureaucrats, and interest parties said, oh, this business is essential, and this one isn't. And we had Republicans that didn't stand up for the individual and say, no, all these businesses are essential. But anyway, it's never compassionate to take other people's rights, property, freedom, or livelihood via force, whether with a weapon, policy, unpredictable and excessive taxation, fear, coercion, government-induced inflation, or the globalist elite's view of how... We should live our lives. There you go, Steve. Keep an eye on that last group. That's for sure. For sure. They're busy right now, but the fail is coming off on that. Uh, check out our website, KimMunson.com. Sign up for our weekly newsletter. You'll get first look at our upcoming uh, guests, our most recent essays, our most recent podcasts. Uh, we rolled out Rick Turnquest excellent essay, getting a lot of play on that. Uh, and then uh, also did this uh, podcast with uh, Tina Peters so that she had the opportunity to tell her side of the story. Because, again, uh, we're seeing, I think, the the cabal as well as the Democrats, they have visuals that they're going to, to really try to uh, manipulate the outcome of that Secretary of State primary and Secretary of State race. And uh, Tina's had the guts to represent we the people. And I wanted to give her the opportunity to tell her story, Steve. Well, I'm glad you did because uh, you know, with that's right here in our own state, but on a national scale, we're seeing more and more pushback coming from the people who have gone out to see uh, Dinesh D'Souza's latest uh, 2,000 Mules, uh-huh. and I think some eyes are really getting open to uh-huh. saying all that, like you have been said, them standing back blatantly in you know with their arms folded across their chest and saying, go ahead and prove it. Well, he is. Yeah, and it's like, yeah, immediately, it takes time to actually... And they were counting on that, that it would take time and people would lose interest. Right, and uh, guess what? That's not the case. Uh, So, yes, that 2,000 mules is a big deal. Uh, Let's see, our quote for today. Let's go to our quote for today. 
by St. Francis de Sales. He was a bishop of Geneva and is revered as a saint in the Catholic Church. He became noted for his deep faith and his gentle approach to the religious divisions in his land resulting from the Protestant Reformation. He was born in 1567. He died in 1622. He said this. He said, we shall steer, starting over, we shall steer safely through every storm so long as our heart is right, our intention is fervent, our courage is steadfast, and our trust fixed on God. I love that, Steve. Outstanding. Yes. And doesn't matter. You know, what Their time, his time versus our time. But hey, I didn't know you lived in Switzerland. <laughs> oh, you are on it for a Monday morning, aren't you, Producer Steve? <laughs> okay, we'll let that one go. Okay. Uh, as you know, during the legislative session, we would... I don't want to say highlight because they were so bad. Uh, we would low light a number of the uh, pieces of legislation, the bills of the day. But guess what? Now we're getting into initiative season. And Patty was on this. Uh, uh, she started looking at this, and it's unbelievable. But there's one for sure that is on the ballot, and that is a state income tax rate reduction. Sounds good. And as you know, for our voter's guide, we will go through, we will read all of these. We will give you all the links to all of the, the verbiage so that you can read it yourself. We'll give you a recommendation based on uh, We the People. And uh, so that one is on. Uh, approved for cir- circulation. So you're going to see that at a grocery store near you. People out front wanting to get your signature just to get it on the ballot. My friends, don't sign it just to get it on the ballot unless you really believe it's a good idea. Because once it, once uh, it's on the ballot, then the big money comes in to run the TV ads. To They don't tell you the truth on things and to try to get it passed. So read it before you sign it. And if you don't believe in it, don't sign it. That One of the best ways to keep these initiatives um, you know, from getting to the ballot is not signing these uh, these. Um, Petitions. So right now, the out there, though, uh, number 56 is unlawful murder of a child. And number 58 is access to natural medicine. And we've not read all these yet, so I don't know exactly what they all, all are. Uh, number 61 is legal possession and use of entheogenic plants and fungi. So I'm going to bet that's mushrooms. And um, there's two of those. No, no, excuse me. No, there's only one of those. Uh, Additional dedicated revenue to the state education fund, as if they don't have enough money already to indoctrinate our kids. Campaign expenditure limits. uh, Minimum reimbursement fee for covered dental procedures performed by Medicaid providers. Really? That's going to be an initiative? And uh, the last one that's approved for uh, circulation is a dedicated state income tax revenue for affordable housing programs. Now, we realize that it's because of rules and regulations and um, um, urban corridor uh, growth limits, a whole variety of things that are increasing the cost of single-family homes. Now, they, it looks like they may want to actually have a state income tax for affordable housing. So we'll keep uh, we'll keep track of all of that. I want to go to break. I am so excited about our next guest, Robert Bryce. And he had a recent uh, piece in Forbes, which is really important. He uh, has a documentary, Juice, How Electricity Explains the World. Uh, we'll be right back with Robert Bryce. 
The Metro home ownership real estate market is very tight right now. That's why Kim Munson recommends you have seasoned REMAX realtor Karen Levine on your side of the table. Karen Levine will help you navigate through the many details of your home buying experience so that you can successfully pursue your American dream. Because Karen Levine cares about property rights for each individual, she volunteers hundreds of hours to represent home ownership opportunities at the local, county, state, and national levels. If you are considering buying or selling your home, call Karen Levine today at 303-877-7516. Again, that's 303-877-7516. You'd like to get in touch with one of the sponsors of the Kim Munson Show, but you can't remember their phone contact or website information. Find a full list of advertising partners on Kim's website, kimmunson.com. That's Kim, M-O-N-S-O-N dot com. Welcome back to the Kim Munson Show. I'm Kim Munson. Be sure and check out our website. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N dot com. Sign up for our weekly newsletter there. You can email me at Kim at Kim Munson dot com. And thank you to all of you who support us. We're an independent voice searching for truth and clarity by looking at these issues through the lens of freedom versus force, force versus freedom. And remember, one of those... Uh, Force words, it's coercion, uh, public policy, and uh, um, it's just important to remember that. I'm very excited about our next guest, Robert Bryce. He's a Texas-based author, journalist, podcaster, film producer, and public speaker. And over the past three decades, his articles have appeared in numerous publications, including the Wall Street Journal, New York Times, National Review, Field and Stream, Austin Chronicle. He has this new documentary, Juice, How Electricity Explains the World. He produced that along with Austin-based film director Tyson Culver, and it was released in mid-2020. And you can find that on uh, numerous streaming platforms, including iTunes, Amazon Prime, Google Play, Vimeo, YouTube, Xbox, and Vudu. Robert Bryce, you're everywhere. Welcome to the show. I am omnipresent, Kim. I'm the king of all media. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's impressive. It is so impressive. And you had this piece in Forbes. And as I was looking, doing some research on this, and, and the piece in Forbes is when projects rejected in Nebraska and Ohio, wind rejections across the U.S. now total 328 since 2015. But uh, you must have hit a nerve because uh, the Daily Kos uh, had um, an article that says uh, that you're still tilting at windmills with dead bird routines. <laughs> so tell us, um, first of all, I really think that these wind farms, uh, and, and again, there's public policy that's pushing them. It's really, to me, it's been horizon visual pollution. What do you think about that? It's landscape blight. You know, for all of this talk, you know, what is W. Edwards Deming had that great line, and God we trust all others bring data. So for the last eight years, I've been collecting and, and have published on my website, robertbrice.com, the Renewable Rejection Database. For all of these claims, and Kim, I've heard them for years now, oh, wind energy is clean and green. Oh, communities love them. Well, then, if that's true, then why is the number now is 330 communities from Maine to Hawaii have rejected or restricted wind projects in the last eight years. If this were the oil and gas industry, it would be front page news in the New York Times. That paper will not report on this. They will not report on it, even though New York arguably is the single biggest state where you see the biggest backlash against both wind and solar. 
so there's just a complete bias in the media. And I say that as a reporter, I've been a reporter my whole career. I'm a recovering liberal. They just won't report on this because it doesn't fit the narrative. But what we're seeing is just this massive land grab in rural America by some very some of the biggest businesses in the country, and the, the biggest media outlets in the country won't report on it, or they, or they'll what they will report, like National Public Radio did. It's just propaganda masquerading as news. Hey, I hadn't even really thought about that. It's also taking farmland out of production, then. Well, of course, and this is some of the battles now in. Ohio, Nebraska, uh, 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 Ohio, Nebraska, Iowa, uh, in Missouri over. Uh, Whoops! Did we lose him? Finding constraint on on the growth of, of, of wind and solar in America. And hey, Robert, I lost you for just a minute. You said in in Missouri, and I want to hear every word. So, in Missouri, what happened? Well, in Missouri, what we're seeing is is conflicts over transmission lines, and so there's just a big. You know, in, in multiple states across the country, whether it's the siting of the projects themselves, wind and solar, or the siting of the transmission lines, we're seeing the same scenario over and over again, which is local communities, local landowners saying, we don't want this this massive land grab. And that's what we're seeing. It's a, it's a land grab by big business in, in rural America. Well, and so what's going to happen to our energy sources yeah, out here in Colorado? Do you watch Colorado much at all, Robert? Of course, I love Colorado. I met my wife in Colorado. I've lived in Colorado for many years. My son lives in Denver, so okay. Yeah, so I you know Colorado. You bet. So XL Energy is uh, retiring coal, clean coal-fired um, power plants out here, saying we're going to be moving to wind and solar. What's your th- thoughts on that? It just doesn't make sense, as producer Steve said. What are they going to replace that energy with? So, what's your thoughts on that, Robert? Well, I mean, I have many thoughts on this, Kim. The first one is. Across the U.S., we should not be retiring any more coal plants. We've retired, what is it, about two-thirds of our coal-fired capacity. This is crazy town. I'm pro-natural gas, but the the reality is what we saw here in Texas um, in February of last year. We saw what happens when grids become too reliant on gas. And so, you know, the way forward is nuclear. That's obvious. But these these ideas that we're going to run the world, run the economy on wind and solar, they're not just wrong. They're deeply dangerous. And that's what we're seeing over and over across the country are these pledges of net zero and, and, you know, more wind and solar. It's it's um, it's going to end in tears. Well, and we need to have honest conversations about this. Uh, And there's so much coercion within this whole energy um, narrative, the coercion of all this public policy, of, um, uh, of supporting wind and solar, and out here in Colorado trying to shut down our oil and gas industry, which, Robert, reliable, efficient, affordable, and abundant energy really powers our lives. It's beyond belief to me that we have people that are in office, I, I call them PBIs, your politicians, your bureaucrats and interested parties, that are not actually looking for looking out for the well-being of everyday hardworking Coloradans and everyday hardworking Americans. Well, what I find remarkable, Cam, and I, 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 you know, cheap energy, or I'll put it this way: expensive energy is the enemy of the poor. Full stop. Expensive energy is the enemy of the poor and the middle class. And what did we see in Europe? And I, I, I testified before the Senate Energy and Natural Resources Committee last November, and I, said, I told them then, this is more than right at three months before the invasion of Ukraine, don't follow Europe's example. What did Europe do? They quit, they quit producing hydrocarbons. They shut their coal and nuclear plants. They spent too much on renewables and relied too heavily on imports. 
And now we see that playing out. And yet the part that worries me, Ken, is that despite what happened in Europe, it hasn't, and, and, and in California and in Texas, it hasn't changed the rhetoric from this administration or from this uh, headlong rush toward ESG and all these other things that will shackle uh, the domestic hydrocarbon industry. Oh, so ESG will shackle. It's it's another attack then on affordable, reliable, efficient, and abundant energy. Well, and it's not just happening in the U.S. It's happening all around the world. That uh, the what is the that line? What ESG? What does it stand for? Uh, e stands for emissions, and the S and the G are silent. I mean, really, it's all just about carbon and 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 and, and attacking hydrocarbons. But the, the, the reality is that you can love oil and gas, you can hate them, you can hate coal all you want, but the world depends on those fuels uh, to run the economy, and it will for decades to come. And this idea that it, the, the problem, and as I pointed out in the Forbes piece, and I have more pieces that I'm writing on this now, the, these land uh, conflict issues are happening all across the country, and they never get mentioned by the advocates for renewables because they don't want to talk about that. But that's the rub, and it's going to continue to be the rub for, for years to come. And here's the other key point is that this, this, these conflicts are happening at the very same time. Big Wind is pushing for yet another extension of the production tax credit, which is, was supposed to be a temporary subsidy and has already been uh, extended 13 times. Okay. Tell me, Robert Bryce, so when I'm driving out in rural Colorado, rural Kansas, uh, you'll see the, the pad where there's been um, there's a, a gas well or oil and gas well. And, you know, it, it's a pretty small footprint and it certainly doesn't it, you can't see it across the horizon like you can these uh, wind turbines. What's the comparison of energy? How much land does it take? for wind versus, you know, the, the little pad where you've got an oil and gas well? Sure, sure. Well, of course, it varies depending on what kind of drilling is being done, whether it's a vertical well or a horizontal well. But I have data, reliable data, from the drilling into Marcellus, and I think it's true for most shale production now. You have power densities of, of 2,000 watts per square meter. I mean, these are on par with nuclear power plants in terms of the the, the, the actual surface footprint. Now, contrast that, Ken, with what we see with wind and solar. The only way that those sources of energy can increase their output is by getting more land and lots of it. So as I showed in uh, my movie Juice, How Electricity Explains the World, the amount of energy that is needed to produce the equivalent output from the the now closed Indian Point nuclear plant with wind turbines would require 1,500 times more surface area. And so, I mean, it's just, it's, I don't use these technical terms on you, but that's crazy town. Why would we ever be destroying our rural landscapes and killing our birds and bats by, by subsidizing this form of energy. It makes no sense at all, but it does make sense when you look at the tax credits and the billions of dollars that are being collected by companies like Nextair Energy and Mid-American Energy. They're in it for the, the – they're subsidy miners. These aren't energy companies. They're after the subsidies. That is uh, absolutely fascinating. So just once again, you're saying for comparable amount of energy and, and in broad strokes here because it, you said it's different from well to well – but it takes 1,500 t- more surface a- a area. I, I'm not getting that right. right. But, I mean, that is a massive amount of land. It's inefficient. 
and and it's also not reliable. The wind doesn't always blow. Exactly, and so you've got this, and that's the that's the part that Kim to me is so re- remarkable is that the oil and gas industry, because of shale, is actually shrinking its surface footprint. It's shrinking the amount of land it needs to disturb because it makes the most sense, right? You drill one well and you, you send it out to the you know the, the horizontal out to the north, and then you drill you skid the the well over the, the drilling rig over a few feet, and then you go out toward the east or the or the south or whatever. So the shale, the oil and gas industry is actually shrinking its footprint, while the wind and solar industries, the only option they have is to expand and expand dramatically. And what are they finding? Conflict everywhere. The latest one's in Oto County, Nebraska, one-year moratorium. Uh, just last week, or May 5th, uh, Crawford County, Ohio. I mean, th- this is happening all across the country. It's, but it's, don't re- you won't read about it in the New York Times or the Washington Post or NPR. They, don't, they, don't co- they won't cover it. It's so disingenuous to have news outlets that don't tell uh, all of the stories. And uh, and so everyday people, you've got to start to look for different sources. That's why we do this show is so that we can bring forward uh, Robert Bryce. Uh, I'm pleased that Forbes at least had this because Forbes sometimes I've been I've always thought that they were I used to think they were conservative, but I don't think they're so conservative anymore, Robert. And I don't know if you can comment on that since you're a co- columnist. I you can you can deflect that if you'd like. <laughs> well, look, I mean, I it, that's I, I agree with your point, which is people need to read a lot of different publications to understand what's really going on in this world. And what we're seeing is an increasing silo, the siloification, I guess, if I can coin a term, or, you know, the, the increasing balkanization, rather, of American media. But the numbers are the numbers. And that's why I started collecting the database on wind energy rejections or renewable rejections, because... You know, this is the remarkable thing is the wind industry guys don't like me. Okay, that's fine. I don't like them back. But you can't argue with the numbers. And that's the part where if the oil and gas industry numbers were like this, you'd sure be reading about it. Mm-hmm. But, this, but that's not happening. <clears throat> we don't see the same kind of backlash against oil and gas now that we see happening against wind and solar, nor do we see the how, how widespread the backlash is. So I've got the bit in my teeth on this, Kim, and I'm not letting go. Boy, uh, I really appreciate that because a little bit of light on these important issues goes a long way. And uh, as uh, as we say here, we look for truth and clarity by looking at these issues of freedom versus force, force versus freedom. And a, a, a force, if you will, would be these uh, tax incentives. Um, and uh, I want to talk about that a little bit more when we come back. I'm talking with Robert Bryce, and he's got this documentary, Juice, How Electricity Explains the World. And we're talking about his recent piece in Forbes, Wind Projects Rejected in Nebraska and Ohio, and Wind Rejections Across the U.S. Now Total 328 Since 2015. We'll be right back with Robert Bryce. Last segment of the show is call ins 303 477 303 I want to hear what's on your radar. We'll be right back. Three Points Financial is a fiduciary financial planning company focused on helping individuals and families. Mary Alpers and Steve Cruz at Three Points Financial specialize in investment strategies, tax planning and preparation, and retirement planning with no product sales or commissions. Tax laws have changed and will continue to change. Inflation is real. Three Points Financial helps you maneuver through these changes to achieve your financial success. For clarity and a solid, relevant financial and investment plan while working with a company that puts your interests at the forefront, schedule a no-obligation initial consultation at threepointsfinancial.com. 
That's threepointsfinancial.com. Inflation is out of control. Increasing prices at the gas pump and grocery stores are hurting everyday people. All these challenges we face are preventable. Individuals must understand what is going on. That's why Kim Munson is bringing truth and clarity to the issues facing our families, our communities, our state, and our country. Now, more than ever, it's important to support Kim's independent voice. Kim has the courage to research and inform you about the real issues. It's not easy, and Kim can use your help. Go to KimMunson.com to contribute. Again, help Kim by contributing at Kim Munson. That's M-O-N-S-O-N dot com. Get to the range at Franktown Firearms and get your shooting skills back in shape. You consider yourself an experienced shooter, but you haven't been to the range in a while. Remember, defensive shooting skills are perishable. Firing a gun is not like riding a bike. Unless you practice regularly, don't count on your muscle memory to kick in when you need it. The team at Franktown Firearms believes the only difference between a beginner and an expert is practice. They want to give you the certainty that in a fight-or-flight scenario, you won't freeze. Imagine your frustration should you find yourself in the situation where you need to defend yourself or others, and you don't react the way you thought you would. Make sure you can count on your instincts. Sign up for a membership now. Mention KLZ Radio for a discount on your initiation fee. Walk-ins and non-members also welcome. Visit klzradio.com slash franktown now. Franktown Firearms, where friends are made. Welcome back to the Kim Munson Show. I'm Kim Munson. Be sure and check out our website. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N dot com. Sign up for our weekly newsletter there. You can email me at Kim at Kim com as well. And thank you to all of you who support us. I am just really excited to have Robert Bryce on. He is a Texas-based author, journalist, podcaster, film producer, and public speaker. Uh, his documentary, Juice, How Electricity Explains the World, is out. And you can get that on almost all the streaming platforms. And we're talking about these wind rejection, rejection uh, projects uh, throughout America right now. Robert Bryce... We talk about policy a lot, and um, what we found is that there can be coercion through policy. Out here in Colorado, there's the coercion of all these rules and regulations that are making it more and more difficult for the oil and gas industry. And again, my friends, it is affordable, efficient, abundant, and reliable energy that powers our lives. It, it empowers us to have this big middle class here in America, which is seems to be under assault. But then there's also policy through tax incentives that will favor one industry over another. And we see that happening with wind and solar. And during the break, Robert Bryce, I was thinking about it. It's You said it's this big business that's out there <clears throat> um, with this massive land grab uh, putting up these wind farms. And communities are finally saying, no, we don't want to have anything to do with that. But so it's big business is getting these tax incentives, if they didn't get the tax incentives, they wouldn't be doing it, right? Well, exactly. And, and, and you know, it's, one of the clear examples here is mid-American energy, a subsidiary of Berkshire Hathaway. Well, Berkshire Hathaway is one of the biggest corporations in the world. And who's the head of Berkshire Hathaway? Of course, it's Warren Buffett. What did Buffett say about wind energy in 2014? He said, the only, the only reason, the reason we do wind projects is to get the tax credits. That's the only reason to build them. I'm, I'm, it's almost a, exactly a direct quote. Well, so 
what's driving the expansion of wind energy isn't consumer pull, it's the, the pursuit of tax credits. So look at NextEra Energy, based in Florida. They have over $4 billion, Kim, in tax credit carry-forwards on their financial statements. Why, why are they so aggressive in pushing for tax credits? Because it makes sense for them. It makes good business. What did Charlie Munger, the vice chairman of Berkshire Hathaway, said? Show me the incentives and I'll show you the outcome. And so what are we doing now? We have the energy industry getting 160 times more in tax credits per unit of energy produced than the nuclear sector and 44 times more than the hydrocarbon sector. These are massive numbers, and those are numbers from the Congressional Research Service, and, and then I just used them and converted them on, on and, and, and compared them on an energy-produced basis. The reality is... Okay. Robert... They want more subsidies. Okay. Uh, I want to hear every word. I lost you for just a minute, so I want to make sure you're close to the microphone so we don't... I'm sorry. I'm I'm, I'm, I'm here. It's been cutting out. But anyway, all this whole wind and solar is all being driven by the tax credits. That's full stop. Okay. Robert Bryce, and I'm going back in my memory, it seemed like during one of these elections that Warren Buffett, who was supporting... Uh, either Obama or Biden, I, th- I want to say it was Obama, where there was this, um, he said that his that his secretary was paying more percentage uh, of her income in income taxes than he was, and that wasn't fair. Anyway, somebody said that about Warren Buffett, and it seemed like he also um, was in favor of higher taxes on everyday people. But yet you're telling me his company is chasing uh, tax incentives or or tax breaks uh, on these wind projects, and he has one of the biggest wind projects out there or or is in wind big time. Am I connecting that dot correctly, Robert? That's right. That's right. In 2014, Buffett said the only reason to build wind projects is to get the tax credits. And so what do you see? You see MidAmerican, a subsidiary of Berkshire Hathaway, sued the uh, Madison County, Iowa, the, the province famous for its wooden bridges, sued them to effectively force them to take wind turbines the county clearly doesn't want. What did they do? And they succeeded. They effectively intimidated one of the county supervisors into changing her vote. So what's the result? The company could build as many as 30 more wind turbines in the county and get, by my estimation, $80 million more in tax credits. I mean, this is a, I mean, it's just a perversion of what our energy energy system, but it's all being driven by these these insane tax credits that are distorting our and, and undermining the integrity of our electric grid. Well, wow. and we're going to be talking with someone about the electric grid a little bit later this week, and we talk about that on a regular basis as well. Robert Bryce, I had a listener uh, that reached out to me and ended up going up to northern Colorado, and uh, we were in a, a pickup out on the out on the uh, um, rural Colorado, taking a look at a wind farm that XL. I'm not going to say XL. I can't remember exactly, but anyway, a wind farm that was being um, taken down, and. I have pictures. I was astonished. First of all, those wind turbines are not recyclable. The amount of of um, product that was it was in this farm, and again, it was just it was a mess. I think that maybe they've pretty well cleaned it up now. But those wind turbines, my understanding, is going to um, a graveyard up in uh, wind turbine gra- graveyard up in Wyoming uh, because they're not recyclable. And we need to have an honest conversation about that, Robert. Well, sure. I mean, and this has been reported several times. These wind turbine blades are massive, and what's happening is they're 
they can't be recycled, so they're, the, the companies are cutting them up and putting them into landfills. But that's only part of the story here, Ken. So you have the, the intermittency problem with the incurable intermittency problem. But if we even step back from that and say, okay, climate change, we'll accept that climate change is an issue. Well, if we're going to face more extreme weather, hotter, colder, more extreme, why ever would we make our electric grid dependent on the weather with weather-dependent <laughs> renewables? It makes no sense whatsoever. Well said. Well said. Oh, my gosh. What are we going to do about this, Robert Price? Because I really feel that um, reliable, efficient, affordable, and abundant energy is obviously under attack. And, of course, they're hiding it. And you just mentioned this again, the ESG, these uh, the Environment, Society, and Governance um, barometer that uh, they're starting to push. And companies are, are hiring people to um, you know help with their, uh, their scores on this. What do we do about this, Robert Price? Well, I think the first thing is we have to. Uh, Congress must not pass any more tax credits for the wind and solar businesses. These two industries, and, and interminably, we hear this over and over again. Jesse Jenkins from Princeton, in his article in the New York Times over the weekend, claimed yet again that wind and solar are cheaper than conventional forms of generation. Okay, well, okay, fine. If that's the case, if that's your claim, well, then surely you don't need more tax credits. Because you're so cheap, well, then you don't need any more federal tax dollars to make your business work. But yet, that's what they're doing. They're in a big push now to extend these tax credits again, even though the wind energy tax credit, the production tax credit, is supposed to be temporary, has been extended already 13 times. This is just a run on the Treasury by, the, by some of the biggest businesses in this country. And it doesn't. it's not about climate change. It's about tax credits, full stop. And Warren Buffett himself said that very thing. It's rather remarkable. Uh, Who in Congress has been a a champion for the people regarding uh, pushing back on this wind and solar? Because if you push back on it, then the the narrative is you don't like the environment. So who's had the guts to stand against this? Well, I think Joe Manchin is the obvious funny. I mean, you you read Jesse Jenkins' piece in the New York Times, and he takes direct aim at Joe Manchin about how Manchin is, you know, it's unconscionable what he's doing. I think Manchin is being very honest and looking at Europe and thinking, well, and seeing what happened in Europe and what happened in Europe. Excessive spending on renewables, underinvestment in hydrocarbons, over-dependence on imports, and over-dependence on, on uh, or rather, early shuttering of, of coal and nuclear plants. So I, I think Manchin is the one, clearly one of the most powerful people in Washington, but, um, you know, he's being attacked, you know, continually by the left for standing against this, a lot of this, call it what it is, wasteful spending on a lot of things that just don't work, carbon capture, hydrogen, all these other things are in this laundry list that Jenkins puts forward in the New York Times. It's just, in my view, it's just corruption, public corruption, and pursuing a lot of stuff that will not make a difference. So we have a Senate race out here in Colorado, which is going to be very important. Uh, and again, we need to be electing people that understand. This is a national security issue as well, Robert Price. Well, it's about energy security is national security. And what do we see in Europe? Tremendous energy insecurity, energy prices skyrocketing with because the Europeans are, have, have relied too heavily on renewables. And now what are they doing? Looking for any form of hydrocarbons they can find. Kim, look at the price of coal lately. I mean, it went over $400 a ton. The Newcastle benchmark in Australia went over $400 a ton. I don't know what it is this morning. But all over the world, industries or you know, utilities are scrambling to find as much coal as they can find. Last year in the U.S., coal burn was up 17%. 
Why is that? Because gas, not gas prices went up, utilities are looking to save money, so they burn more coal. So we have we need more energy realism. If I, if, if, I like listeners listen here, nothing else. Energy realism is what we need in this country. Well, and uh, uh, the I think the coal fire plant down by Pueblo is uh, on schedule to close. I think by twenty thirty here in Colorado, we need to change those policies here in Colorado, Robert Bryce. Well, again, I think for energy security, what we saw here in Texas, and I was blacked out in Austin here for 45 hours. My wife and I were uh, in February of last year. Why? Because we didn't have enough baseload plants on the system. There's a lot of reporting about, oh, blame the gas industry of Texas. And over and over we've heard this. None of the reporting mentions that there were six gigawatts of coal-fired capacity in Texas that were shut down in the 50 months prior to the blackout. Wow. Yes, we do have, uh, I think you said, energy realism. There are so many nuggets of, uh, I've gotten all kinds of notes here, Robert Bryce. Uh, We're just about out of time with your interview. How would you like to button this up for our uh, listeners? Well, I mean, look, I'm, I'm, I'm pro-energy, I'm pro-human. We need more energy realism. Energy realism is energy humanism. Um, people want more on me, robertbryce.com. You can find the Renewable Rejection Database. Uh, I'm on Twitter, at PowerHungry, PWRHungry. The film, uh, look at the film, is on the on the Internet, com. So how's that? That is great. And again, that documentary is Juice, How Electricity Explains the World. Robert Bryce, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure, Kim. Thank you. Okay, we're going to go to break. When we come back, I want to hear from you. Uh, my gosh, what what a show. Uh, phone number is 303-477-5600, 303-477-5600. Conversation about energy realism, uh, pro-energy, pro-human, love that. And then, of course, Todd Watkins was on earlier today regarding border security. Uh, so we're going to go to break. Before we do that, though, uh, a, a nonprofit that I am supporting is the USMCMemorialFoundation.org. And Paula Sarles and her team, she is a Vietnam-era a Marine veteran, as well as a Gold Star wife. She has taken it on to remodel, and, and well, with her team, to remodel this um, uh, Marine Memorial out at 6th and Colfax. And there's going to be a great celebration, um, no, ceremony, let me say ceremony. There will be a ceremony of remembrance on Memorial Day at 1.30 out there. And uh, you can buy a brick to support them. You can donate. Uh, that uh, website is usmcmemorialfoundation.org, usmcmemorialfoundation.org. We'll be right back. I want to hear from you. 303-477-5600, 303-477-5600. Stay tuned. Medical freedom and personal choice are both sacred to comprehensive, patient-first health care. At Roots Medical, our providers honor those rights diligently in every appointment. Located in Denver Tech Center, Roots Medical is a functional primary care clinic with specialties in hormones, thyroid, gut health, detox, and COVID recovery. Establishing care with us is just a text message away, 303-569-6794. For more information, visit rootsmedical.net. Roots Medical is a proud member of Colorado Healthcare Providers for Freedom. Inflation is rocking our boats, especially for individuals on fixed incomes. If you are 62 years or older, mortgage specialist with Polygon Financial Group, Lauren Levy, can help you navigate this inflation squeeze with a reverse mortgage. Additionally, if you are considering buying a new home, refinancing your existing home, or consolidating high interest debt, it's not too late to lock in an interest rate before interest rates increase again. Don't wait. Kim Munson recommends you call Lauren Levy today at 303-880-8881 for a no-cost consultation. That's Lauren Levy at 303-880-8881. 
All of Kim's sponsors are an inclusive partnership with Kim and are not affiliated with or in partnership with KLZ or Crawford Broadcasting. If you would like to support the work of the Kim Munson Show and grow your business, contact Kim at her website, KimMunson.com. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N.com. Welcome back to the Kim Munson Show. Be sure and check out our website. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N.com. Sign up for our weekly newsletter there. You can email me at Kim at Kim Munson.com as well. And thank you to all of you who support us. And I want to hear from you, 303-477-5600, 303-477-5600. It looks like the lines may be full, so uh, if you can't get through, try back here in just a few moments. Bill in Boulder, uh, happy Monday, and what's on your radar? talking about uh, baseload and shuttering coal power plants you know part of that obviously is uh, you know people not completely understanding the technology and wanting to uh, you know shutter uh, or control carbon emissions part of that though is just how uh, inefficient from a maintenance and operations perspective that uh, that particular fuel source is so a lot of a lot of coal has come offline over the past few years, but has been replaced with uh, uh, natural gas. Now that's not uh, cheap, and I might offer that instead of, instead of sending so much money over to overseas, that we uh, instead use some of that taxpayer money to perhaps uh, retrofit some of these power plants to burn uh, cleaner fuel and more efficient and more easily maintained fuel as well. Oh, okay. That's thank you for clarification on that bill. But and I need to do more research on coal, but we've got some of these plants and I think they're even closing some of those that are they're called clean burning coal plants. What what's your comments on that bill? Clean coal is still pretty uh difficult to to manage from a operations and maintenance perspective. So you, a lot of the uh, through various uh, processes, they they turn the coal into liquid and then burn that. From what from the way I understand it, natural gas is much easier to ramp up and ramp down to meet uh, the demands of the grid. Um, and also, uh, it's obviously much much cleaner as a fuel. So there's less maintenance. Uh, Got the, it. The maintenance that's associated with coal is just very onerous. There's liquid uh, pits that. Uh, you know, you have to deal with the slurry that comes out of the uh, the furnaces. Uh, natural gas, I mean, it's, it burns, it's clean, there's nothing left over. So it's a lot easier to control those emissions, too, from like a scrubber perspective. So okay. th- there's a, yeah. yeah. So thanks, Cole. Uh, thanks, Kim. I appreciate it. Oh, great information from Bill in Boulder. Hey, Ron in Denver, what's on your radar? Yeah, I, uh, on my phone, I got a little news tip about the Secretary of State. Okay. And they said that she was... Uh, arrested and that she won't be able to run and uh, I should have took a picture but um, I was just wanted to from what I understand she can correct she's still running and uh, I wanted to know if she's still going to be in the race uh, I, I thank you, Ron. Uh, to my knowledge, absolutely. I think you're talking about Tina Peters. We did do a, a podcast with her, uh, and that is on my website. We rolled that out this weekend. And yes, you're correct. She was arrested. Uh, and that picture of her being arrested was um, she had been in the courtroom and uh, apparently uh, she said she didn't see the sign that you're not supposed to record anything in the courtroom. Her 
uh, deputy clerk, I think, was um, being accused of something. And so instead of just gently asking her for her iPad, uh, they arrested her at a bagel shop and put her in the back of a cop car. And I think, again, I think it was to probably get a visual there. And so the Secretary of State race is going to be super interesting, Ron. Uh, but... Um, and then she's uh, been uh, indicted and by a grand jury. And what that looks like is a DA can come forward and give the grand jury uh, information about why they should be able to uh, go on an investigation. Uh, the person that's accused does not have any opportunity to present their side of the case. And so I know that uh, actually uh, they're looking forward to the discovery on this so that, that uh, she can actually tell her side of the case. So uh, she's not been um, convicted of anything, so I'm pretty sure she's still running. And, Ron, one other thing just to mention is one of the other Republican candidates uh, is um, actually on the board of the organization, the Center for Tech and Civic Life, which is the organization that got a whole bunch of the Zuckerberg money, uh, well over, well, probably in the range of $400 million, which we're seeing in the movie 2000 Mules, uh, actually probably in some ways uh, influenced the election. Ron, any uh, final thoughts? Yeah, I just thought it was uh, very uh, misleading. Uh, they're, they're putting me on the phone. And I just wanted to let people know that she is and, and how she that she's still going to run. So I, I heard that she was. I just um, it was very misleading, that little uh, news tidbit. So I, I just wanted to uh, put it out there again. OK, Ron, I'll be on the lookout. I probably won't get that. But I bet that that is probably some of this text messaging that comes out to influence uh, voters. So, Ron, thank you so much for letting us know about that, and you have a great Monday. Okay, we've got another caller coming in. Okay, 303-477-5600, 303-477-5600. Timothy and Cheyenne, what's on your radar? Yeah, good morning, Kim. Thank you for your show. Uh, I just want to let you know of a great resource that I discovered uh, half a year ago, and that's at PragerU, if I can mention that. But, Absolutely. Uh, PragerU.com. There's a great uh, information video, a five-minute video, called What's Wrong with Wind and Solar. It's um, presented by Mr. Mark Mills, who is a uh, senior fellow at the Manhattan Institute and really does a great comparison of um, how much energy is actually provided in percentage versus you know our natural coal and our oil and such versus wind and solar energy. Also, it talks a lot about the natural resources that are just gobbled up by uh, these solar panels and, and these other, shall we say, alternate energy sources. It's really good. And then he did a second one. I don't have the name for that, but that's a good way to get people started with just a five-minute or six-minute video. I think that it's so great that Prager University is doing these in five-minute snippets because we get I get all kinds of, of great uh, resources, people reaching out and saying, take a look at this. And I really appreciate that. Keep that coming, cards and letters coming. But it would also be helpful to say, hey, these are my top three takeaways from this because – you know, some of these things are an hour long and it takes a while. And so these five-minute snippets getting to the point, I think, is a, a great, great thing that Prager University is doing. So, Timothy and Cheyenne, thank you so much. You have a great Monday. Thank you so much. You have a great week, too, Kim. Okay, thank you. And uh, we've probably got time for one, maybe two calls, uh, 303-477-60. 
303-477-5600. I almost blew it there, Producer Steve. <laughs> well, do you know your home phone? <laughs> I'm not going to give that one out right now. <laughs> well, no, I just want to know if you know it. I mean, I do. How many times does it happen when someone says, what's your phone number? And you think, I don't know. I don't call myself. <laughs> <laughs> hey, um, what would you say? This has been a really powerful show. What would you say is the maybe one thing that you've learned today that you didn't know? Oh, geez. Uh, it, actually, you know, the guy running for sheriff down in, in, uh, Todd in Watkins. El Paso County, yes. Uh-huh. Uh, there was so much from a guy who's actually been, you know, boots on the ground type perspective, uh, which is, I like it because it's sanitized of all the baloney that comes from the mainstream media or, or does not come from uh-huh. them. So that's always an eye opener. But then, you know, your, your most recent guest on the energy scene, Robert Price. Uh huh. Uh-huh, I, I can, do I sound like a broken record, but does it not make sense? You you want to replace our current fossil fuel plants? All right, let's break it down into a, a manageable unit, a megawatt. I want a megawatt for megawatt replacement. I'm not saying we can't go to renewables. I just want to know that you're going to you know, not cut us short. Right, and compare the price. So first of all, to your point, is they're shutting down some of these energy sources, but they're not replacing them with uh you know the equal amount of energy but also how about the cost on that as well how much is that going to cost each and every one of us and so i think that that would make a lot of sense we've got uh, we have mark and black forest happy monday mark and black forest happy monday this is uh, your local um terminology police calling in oh dear okay uh, <laughs> um so uh i think earlier you were talking with stephanie about um affordable there's a bill or something affordable housing right um it's really we need to be accurate uh, affordable housing is subsidized housing and um and I just want to make sure you know people knew what subsidies were taking taking money from one group of people and giving it to another we shouldn't be uh, paying for each other's housing nor food or anything else i mean that's socialism right it is, and it's government policy that's making these staples expensive. And then, as you mentioned, then it's the government wants to come in and sub- subsidize it. So it's picking winners and losers. It's taking from one person of their hard-earned dollars to subsidize somebody else. Mark and Black Forest, thank you so much uh, for keeping the terminology right, because we're going to be on this. We're going to read this initiative, and we're going to be on it. I so appreciate it. You have a great Monday. Likewise. Bye. Yes, I think we need to change that word from affordable to subsidized. And then that means it's government housing. And uh, remember, Steve, most people don't uh, wash rental cars. So if they don't own their houses, many times they may not take as good a care of it. You know where I live, and that is becoming a problem more and more. As each year goes by, it becomes more of a problem. Because what? There's more rental units? Exactly. Got it. Got it. Got it. Okay. We're out of time. Thank you so much for joining us. I wish you a very happy Monday. Our quote for today is from St. Francis de Sales. He says, anxiety is the greatest evil that can befall a soul except sin. God commands you to pray, but he forbids you to worry. So my friends today, be grateful, read great books, think good thoughts, listen to beautiful music, communicate and listen well, live honestly and authentically, strive for high ideals, and like Superman, stand for truth, justice, and the American way. My friends, you are not alone. God bless you, and God bless America. Further from my heart.